We're coming to the end of the academic year for many children, many uh, students in high school, college. But it's a, it's a different time now, isn't it? Usually this time of year, you're looking forward to great celebrations and things, and we just don't know what that's going to be like right now. But in ordinary times, if you're a senior in high school or a, a senior in college or, yes, even a senior in seminary, there's something about those last couple of months of school when your head's not really in the school, but you start thinking about where am I going to go after this, and you start looking for kind of different things to do. And so that was the case when, when I was in my last two months of seminary. A friend and I decided that, you know, we, we're living on top of this beautiful mountain in Suwannee, Tennessee, the School of Theology in Suwannee, Tennessee. It's on top of the Cumberland Plateau. It's a limestone mountain range, and just like the hill country, there are so many caves inside this mountain range. And so we knew of three or four that were easily accessible, and so this friend of mine, we thought, well, we're going to be amateur speedlunkers, and so we went to several of these caves. They were a lot of fun. We had a great time. We had our little helmet with our headlamps and looked real official, climbing in and out of these caves, no problem. So we were really becoming confident with ourselves. There was an advertisement in the university newspaper about the university spelunking club was going to go and check out a newly discovered cave. It was just south of the university, close to the Alabama border. And of course, now we're expert spelunkers, so we thought we'd join the club and go down with them. Well, we arrived to drive with them down the mountain, and of course, these are all a bunch of young college kids in great shape, and here I am, a middle-aged man, and so is my buddy, but we're going to go with, go do it. So we go down the mountain, we travel for about an hour, get out of the cars, we travel about a mile on foot through the brush to the side of the mountain where there is a hole just big enough for a human being to slide down, covered by brush. So we all slide down the hole, and we end up in an underground stream bed. It's about four feet high, the tunnel is. And so we all get down there, and the leader of the group who discovered the cave leads us to the left, and we travel maybe 200 yards down the stream bed, bent over, four foot high, scraping our back on the roof of the cave. And then there's an opening to the right, and that's where the main cave goes. So we head up that way. An hour and a half later, going over rocks and boulders, crawling on our stomachs, pushing our packs through holes this big, um, a claustrophobic nightmare, if that's one of your problems. We finally come to a big cavernous room. And the guide tells us, why don't you turn off your lamps now and let's check out the darkness. We turned off our lamps, and I know you may have been in a situation like this, but in a place where you know without that lamp you would never make it out, you turn it off and the darkness is so profound, you can't see anything in front of your face. Well, we turn our lamps back on and by the time I arrived in this great room, I was not in the greatest shape. And I thought, 
I've got to get out of here now and follow these guys, and I am so tired already. So we started back. I am lagging behind further and further as the group moves towards the exit. By the time we reached that little riverbed where we're going to take a left and head towards the opening, in all my preparedness, I forgot to take extra batteries for my headlamp. My headlamp goes out. Everybody else is way ahead of me. But I, I, re, I did get to that turning point, so I knew the stream bed would eventually take me to the opening. But let me tell you, I am in the dark, and I can't see my hand in front of my face. I can hear people. I can hear the group way ahead of me, but I can't see them. On my hands and knees, I crawl that direction, following the sound of their voice, until finally I turn a corner and I see that shaft of light coming from that entrance. And I knew I'd made it. Crawling on my hands and knees, I crawled out of that hole and collapsed on the ground outside. That was the end of my spelunking. <laughs> Martha, Mary, Lazarus, Jesus' dearest friends. They live in this little town of Bethany, which is just two miles from Jerusalem. You'd, you go out the southern gate of the temple, which is where people would come into the temple. You take a left, you go down the Kidron Valley, up the Mount of Olives, take a right, and about a mile, you come to Bethany. So Jesus must have stayed there many times when he'd come for Passover. Lazarus is ill, is dying. Martha sends a messenger to Jesus. Come quickly. You can do something. Jesus, for some reason, tarries for two days. Isn't that funny? Sometimes when we call for the Lord, he doesn't answer right away either, you know? But Jesus takes his time, finally knows Lazarus is dead and that this death is going to be used for God's glory. He makes his way back to Jerusalem. And just outside of Bethany, Martha rushes out to him. And I don't know what the mood was like right then, but I think these two women are going to let Jesus have it. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know you can do something, Lord. I know that you can do something. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. Those who die and believe in me will live, and those who live and believe in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? She says, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who's come into the world. What a great proclamation. What a great proclamation. We won't hear that again until Thomas says that after the resurrection. Now, Mary comes out, and Mary lets him have it too. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then, I think two of the most profound words in Scripture, two words that we only see in the King James Version of the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. It just shows us 
how much Jesus hates death and how much he loves humanity, how much he loves you and me. Jesus says, take me to where he's laid. They take him to the tomb. Jesus says, roll away the stone. Martha says, Lord, there's going to be an odor. He's been in there four days. And again, the good old King James Version. You can't beat this. In the King James, it says, Lord, he's been in there four days. He stinketh. They roll away the stone. Jesus looks to the Father and said, Lazarus, come out. The dead man walks out, bound in the burial cloths. Jesus says, unbind him and let him go. You know, I know there are so many in the sound of my voice, we're having a hard time right now. It's hard not to be with your friends and your family, not to be out doing things. I know some of you are frightened. If you have some existing condition that might make you more susceptible, if you're my age or, or older, you know that we're more susceptible. You may be afraid of losing your job, or you may have lost your job. You're not sure about what your income might be. All these things add fear. They add despair. Um, they can even add some depression to us. But I want you to know something. Jesus is the Lord of life. Jesus comes to us in those dark places in our lives. Those places where we might feel like we are hidden away in some cave and we don't know the way out. But he comes to us. And he makes all things new. He gives life even in death. And I'm not talking about physical death, although... That's true, too. In the next life, he gives us life. But I'm talking spiritual. He can renew your spirit. But you have, to, you have to ask him for that. You have to communicate with your Lord. And I beg you to do that. There's so many ways to do that, to reach out to him. You, you need to say your prayers. And there's some, Patrick gave you some wonderful ways to do that. If you would look at that email he sent to you last Friday with those, those apps on it, take one of those, download it, try it. It's a way for you to communicate. The Book of Common Prayer. If you have a Book of Common Prayer, read morning prayer, evening prayer. Pray the prayers. Read your Bible. God communicates us through these ways. Say your prayers. But above all, I want you to remember how much Jesus loves you. How much he loves me.
Jesus wept for his friends. And he weeps for you. He cares about you. He is the Lord of life. And he is the light that shines in your darkness. And and the darkness will not overcome it. Jesus is standing at your door saying, come out. Unbind yourself. And let yourself go. Amen.